0: straight and narrow from here on out and heaven everlasting is my reward Delbert what are you talking about we got bigger fish to fry the preacher said all my sins is washed away including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo I thought you said you was innocent of those charges well I was lying and the preacher said that that sin's been washed away too neither God nor man's got nothing on me now come on in boys The water is fine. That's a funny way of looking at a very serious topic. We're in week six of a series called Heroes. And and if you've been here for that whole series, you've heard us talk about how you can do something heroic, how God can take ordinary people and do something extraordinary with their lives. All of us are ordinary. And God can use us to do extraordinary things. We've talked about how God can use you and you can chase down your fears and defeat them. How you can do something heroic by serving other people. How you can exercise your faith and stop trying to control the future and know that all of that is in God's hands. Because God sent Jesus Christ to earth not just to make our lives better now and to give us hope for today, but he came to give us hope for the future, and hope for eternity. Today I'm going to be talking about an extraordinary decision, an extraordinary decision that some of you need to make, an extraordinary decision that can change your life. It's all based on a story that's in Acts chapter 8 about a young man who had an encounter that changed his life. Acts chapter 8, the book of Acts, it's the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, A-C-T-S. The book of Acts is kind of like the newspaper account of the first century church. If you could open up a newspaper from the first century and read it, it would be the book of Acts. That's how the church got started. That's how people interacted with each other. That's how this new thing called Christianity started to be bred beyond this one little group of people to a much larger group of people and then a much larger group of people and then to the world. That's what you can read about in the book of Acts. You can read about people trying to tell other people about the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, had finally come to earth, had finally done what he needed to do to rescue people from their sin. He did what he needed to do to make it so man would never have to be separated from God for eternity. And the book of Acts is just reading story after story, account after account about how the first century church was making a difference in the first century world. Young man in Acts chapter 8, it starts in verse 26. He's referred to as an Ethiopian eunuch. And this young man from Ethiopia was... Pretty important official for the queen of Ethiopia. He took care of all of her money. He carried the money with him. He counted the money. He made sure all the money was where it was supposed to be. So he was a really important guy. And you read about him in Acts chapter 8. And he's on his way back from Jerusalem. He'd been to Jerusalem to worship. He was a seeker. He was looking for answers. He was seeking to worship God. God. And then Philip is also in this story. One of Jesus' disciples, Philip, was prompted by the Holy Spirit to go talk to this young man who was on the road reading his Bible. Whatever happened in Jerusalem to this Ethiopian guy, whatever he experienced caused him to want to read the Scripture. He would have only had the Old Testament or parts of it, so he was reading the Scripture. When he was in Jerusalem... An Ethiopian eunuch was not even allowed to go into the temple to worship. So however he got to worship, he worshiped, and then he's on his way back to Ethiopia, and he opens up the scripture, and he starts to read. And what he begins to read confuses him, and he doesn't understand, what is it that I'm reading? I don't get this. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's reading from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. He didn't get what that meant. That was from Isaiah in the Old Testament. Thousands of years before Jesus was born, he was talking about Jesus Christ. But the eunuch didn't get that. He didn't have a New Testament. He could go over and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about the Gospels and, and what happened to Jesus and, and his ministry on earth. He didn't have that. So he really didn't quite get what this passage in Isaiah was talking about. And Philip said, do you understand it? And he said, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? See, today we have an advantage over this guy. We can read the Bible and read about the life of Christ and read about the sacrifice he made and read about what that means for us today. He couldn't do that. He needed somebody to explain it to him. He was searching. God put Philip into his life And it says that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Christ. Obviously, he explained to this young man how this passage is talking about Jesus and how with Christ in your life, you can not only have hope for today, you can have hope and a promise of security in eternity. That Jesus came to forgive all of his sin and bring you hope. Obviously, Philip explained that. To the young man because in the journey, the young man and Philip passed some water and he said, well, here's some water. Can I be baptized? And Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, yes, you can be baptized. And the Ethiopian man said, I believe. So Philip baptized him and it says he went on his way rejoicing. See, this young guy was seeking, he was searching, he was looking for something else in life, he was looking for some more meaning, and he comes into contact with Philip, and Philip explains to him what the message of Christ is all about, and he responds to it by accepting that message, asking Jesus into his life, believing in him, and then being baptized. See, this young man was ready to take his next step. He was ready to take his next step like all of us should be. We should always be looking to take our next step, our next step relationally, our next step emotionally, our next step financially, spiritually. Always be looking for your next step because life is about growth. And this young man understood that and he wanted to grow closer in his relationship with God, so he was ready to take his next step. And on that day, he did two very important ones. He accepted the message of Christ and then he was baptized. Everybody in here today came in in one of three groups. I think everybody, if we got down to all the corners, I think we could put ourselves in one of these three groups. Group number one, well, that's the people that, that just are kind of checking things out, just kicking the tires, just kind maybe you're just checking out our church. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never been to church before, but something has drawn you here. There's a reason you're here. Maybe somebody invited you, but something keeps drawing you back to this place. You haven't yet said, I want to accept Christ. I want him to be Lord of my life, but something keeps drawing you here. You need to know that I prayed for you this week. The staff prays for you all the time. You need to know that when we put a service together like what you've witnessed today, we think about you. We think, well, how would that person in group one think about that. Would that make sense? Would it not make sense? Would it be confusing? Would it be a little weird? We think about you every time we put something together. The person here in group one sits outside the family of God, not having yet accepted Christ. Then there's people in group two. Those are the people who come to church who have heard something about the message of Christ and said, I want in on that. I want to be part of that. And you've trusted Christ to forgive your sins. You've trusted Christ for your salvation. And you've said, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I want to be a Christ follower. You realized at some point in the past, you can't do it on your own. So you invited him into your life. But people in group two haven't been baptized. Haven't obeyed what Jesus said to do when Jesus himself was baptized and said, I've done this as an example for you. People in group two haven't done that. And today I hope I say something that makes you go, you know what, it's time. I'm gonna explain what baptism is over the next few minutes and and some of what it isn't, but people in this group need to be baptized. And just like That Ethiopian guy needed some more understanding. Maybe you need a little bit more understanding about baptism, about what the Bible has to say about it. But today you have an opportunity. Check on the back of your WhatsApp card to say, you know what, next baptism, two weeks from today, July 8th at Falls Lake. I want in on that. I'm not waiting anymore. And then there's the people in group three who made the decision to accept Christ. You've followed in his footsteps. You've been baptized into Christ, like the scripture says. Today will be kind of a refresher course for you, but also you can make an extraordinary decision today. Your decision can be, no longer will I just sit with this news inside of me. I'm going to share, like Jesus said, I'm going to share this news with the world. In Matthew 28, Jesus said this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, "...and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always, even to the very ends of the age." See, if I'm in group three, anybody in group three, this is is what Jesus says to us. He says, go. Let other people in on this. Anybody into genealogies like getting on the Internet and checking out who your grandparents were and grandparents, great-great-great-great-grandparents, anybody do that and we'll admit it? All right, good few people do that. It's interesting to see, you know, from where you came and to go back and look at who your grandparents were see if you might have some money back there you didn't know about or some maybe in somebody's will you didn't know or or somebody famous, you know, so you can say, "Well, I'm this person's uh, third great 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 uh, grand on my mother's side through marriage." But some people love that, just searching genealogies. If you could do a spiritual genealogy, if it were possible, think about the person that taught you about Christ. And think about Who taught them? And then who taught them? If you could go back and back and back, it would end up on this hillside in Matthew 28 with Jesus Christ and 11 guys, him saying, go share this with the world. That's where every person in this room could draw a connection all the way back to these 11 guys saying, you know, let's get serious about this. Let's get serious about letting the world know. We're not just gonna go out and be nice people. Sure, God wants us to do that, but we're gonna go out and we are gonna actively Let the world know, let the world know what's happened in our hearts. When Jesus Christ said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, he's not talking about the church, the people in group three having their hands up saying, oh, hell's going to get us, hell's, he's talking about going after the gates. He's talking about an active posture, being on the offensive, not on the defensive, when he said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. It's because the church is going after it. The church is going into the world. People in group three are doing what Jesus Christ said to do, go into the world. You can make an extraordinary decision today by saying, you know what, I've been quiet about this long enough. I need to let other people know. I've been nice long enough. I need to let people know what's changed my life. Groups one and two, today you have a decision to make. If you're in one of these two groups, you've got a decision. Am I going to buy into this or not? The guy that I told you about in Acts chapter eight, the Ethiopian eunuch happened after Matthew 28. So it was after people started sharing and then they started sharing and they started sharing. And this guy from Ethiopia had to make a decision. Am I going to buy into this or not? Or is it just something I'm going to casually talk about? Am I going to buy in? Am I going to jump in with both feet? And that's the decision group one and group two have to make today. Am I buying into this? Or am I just a casual observer from the outside? Am I buying into this, if I'm in group two, am I buying into this idea that I need to be lowered underwater and brought back up? What does that mean? I mean, why do I need to do that? Jesus Christ clearly gave the command to be baptized. Clear. Read through scripture. He said it. Read through the book of Acts. People were doing it. And yet, honest, honest, God-fearing, God-following people see it different ways. There's basically two extremes when it comes to baptism, and then there's a lot of different beliefs in the middle. But there's two extremes. There's one extreme all the way over on one side that says, look, this thing called baptism, this act, this being lowered into the water and back up, don't mess it up, don't get it wrong. Because, you know, you get this wrong, you'll be in the smoking section, buddy, for eternity. So make sure, make sure you get this act right. And, and people here on this extreme are not so concerned with, you know, have you confessed, where's your heart? They're just concerned with get this act done. And when you get this act done, then all of a sudden you're a pleasing to God because you got this act done. And then their faith, their hope, their trust is all in this act and their ability to understand it correctly. That's not biblical. Read the book of Acts. That's not how it happened. You read the book of Acts. People confess Christ. Accept the message, then they're baptized. After they understand that Jesus Christ is who forgives their sins, not some ritual, not some act, but the blood of Christ is what forgives people from their sins. So we don't want to be on this extreme where we fixate on this thing and turn it into an idol. Where you know you've been baptized, you've been baptized. What were you? What did you think when you were baptized? Did your whole arm go under water? You know, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. This is the truth. I saw someone baptize somebody else, and their, their, one of their arms didn't go under, and they did it again. They did it again, and I was like, oh, God, please forgive you know, all this misunderstanding. It's not an idol. It's what people do to follow Christ and to obey Christ after they've put their faith, hope, and trust in him. That's what baptism is. So some people over here on this side. And then there's all the way over here on the other side where some people say, you know what, if you don't want to be baptized, you don't have to. You don't have to do it. It's an option. It's an optional thing. You can be sprinkled. We can dunk you. It. It's your choice. You know, your baby, that's fine. You're 60, you're 20, whatever, that's fine. But you don't have to do it. It's an option. Well, I've read my Bible for a lot of years, and I've yet to find the optional command page. I don't think it's in there. I, I, I haven't seen any, any evidence that baptism is an optional thing. Jesus said, do it. The first century church did it time after time. There is no person in the book of Acts who accepted Christ, who had called on him for the forgiveness of their sin. Not one person in there was not baptized. Every person recorded about. Read through the book of Acts. If if it's in there, I've sure missed it. Every person was baptized when they accepted Christ. So, what we want to have is this, this view that doesn't fall all the way over here, all the way over there. The view of Scripture is that baptism is reserved for people who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Christ. That's what baptism is. Now, back to the groups. Group number one. If I sit in in group number one today, I'm checking things out. I, I haven't accepted Christ. I sit in group one outside the family of God. I know in my heart I wasn't created to live like this because that life just doesn't feel right because I know there's something more, but I still sit outside the family of God. I come to church. I love this church, but I, I just haven't made the decision. I want, and I wonder if there's more. I wonder if there's more I could do. Maybe I could do more, and then I wouldn't have to be in group one. Then I would be accepted. Then God would say, well, they're doing a lot, so now they're in. I'm a better person. I'm being better this week than I was last week. So I'm a real good person. Now I must be in the family of God. You know what God expects? Perfection. Everybody just went like, oh dang, man, I didn't get perfection. I'm out. You know, I can't do that. That's right. Nobody can. In in the Bible, in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's standard. Everybody. All of us, no matter what group you're in, sin and fall short of God's standard because his ideal is perfection. Romans 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the wages of our mistakes and sin is separation from God. God expects perfection, so now we're in trouble. What are we going to do? I'm in group one, how how do I get out of this group? I need to know that through Christ, through a relationship with Christ, through a relationship with someone who did achieve and always had perfection, someone who never made mistakes, Jesus Christ, through relationship with him, I am in an active relationship with him. So when God sees me, he sees him. He sees Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. His way is right. His way is perfect in God's eyes. So when I'm in Christ, I'm in perfection. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If I'm in this group, Christ wants me to trust him. God wants me to trust in his son, Jesus Christ. I need to know that Christ died to make me perfect, which is what God expects. And that can only be achieved through inviting Christ into a relationship in your life. And You can do that today. If you're in group one and you're saying, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of group one, I want to move on to another group. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the same thing Philip said to the young man who wanted to be baptized. He said, have you done this? And he said, yes. He said, well, then you can be baptized. See, baptism is only valid if you believe in Christ. It's only valid if you put your hope and trust in Christ. Then it's valid. I could bring you up on the stage and dunk you in the water all day long. It's not going to change anything. Baptism is going public with your faith. Water doesn't forgive your sins. Christ forgives your sins. The sacrifice he made for your life to make you perfect, that's where the forgiveness of sin is. And baptism is going public with what's happened in your heart. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It comes from God. It's his gift, not by your works, so no one can boast. If I'm in group one, I have a decision to make can be an extraordinary decision today to say, I'm finished with that group. I'm ready to take the next step and move on. Now, group number two, this is the question group. These are the people who have confessed Christ and done what the young Ethiopian had done and said, I believe in him. I believe with all my heart. And yet you haven't been baptized. Maybe you have some questions and you wonder, well, what is this thing baptism all about? I don't get it. And Maybe your question is, well, I was baptized as a baby. Is that not good enough? Does that not work? Baptism, when you read about it in the Bible, when you open up the Scripture and you read about it in the Bible, it was done by people who were baptized were people who were old enough to know and make the decision that they wanted Jesus Christ to forgive their sins. I've talked to seven-year-olds that understand that. I haven't talked to a baby I've talked to seven-year-old children that get that. I'm like, wow, I get more at seven than I did at 27. I've talked to 80-year-old people that say, oh, man, I never saw that. I didn't know that. So if you were baptized as a baby, I think your parents did an awesome thing by bringing you before God in the church and saying, I want to raise this child up to know you. Amazing. That's just not the baptism that's talked about in Scripture. You might say, well, do I have to do this? Do I have to be baptized? Well, it's not optional. Like I already said, there are no optional commands. Jesus said do it. Example after example shows people doing it. Well, how about can I be sprinkled? Will that work? Yeah, I don't like to go underwater. I'm a little scared. I want to hold my breath. Can I just, you know, can you just sprinkle some water on me so I don't have to be Immersed. I'm going to talk to you a little bit in a minute about what immersion really means. But that that's a legitimate question. Baptism is referred to as a burial. As being buried into Christ and raised. If I wanted to bury my Bible, I, I wouldn't just sprinkle dirt on top of it. I would bury it. I would put it under. I'll talk a minute about what the word baptism really means. But... Baptism doesn't save. Don't misunderstand me. Baptism saves nobody. Baptism shows on the outside what's happened on the inside. Baptism is going public with my faith. When Cinda and I stood before the minister 15 years ago this month, and and we said, we want to commit our lives to each other. We, We want to join our lives together. We want to be married. He had this ring. Wow. He had this ring in his pocket, and he pulled it out. And the minister talked about this ring and how it's endless, how this circle just, it never ends. It just goes around and around. And this ring was the symbol of her love to me. And then I had a ring, and I gave it to her, and that was the symbol of my love to her. And we put these on to show the world the commitment that we had made. Now, could we have been married if this ring was never put on our finger? Yes, we could have. Because legally, you know, marriage, man, woman, God's design, two people come together and say to the state of wherever we want to be married, and God recognizes that, and you're married with or without rings. But to show the world, to show the world who my heart belongs to on this earth, I wear this ring. It says, sorry, ladies, I'm already spoken for. (laughs) It's a symbol on the outside to show the commitment on the outside. If you came on this stage and I put this ring on you, it would not make you married. Marriage starts with a commitment in your heart that you make to someone in your life. And that's what baptism is like. It's going public with your faith. It's saying, I want the world to know of this commitment that I've made in my life. Also in the book of Acts chapter 2, there were a bunch of Jewish people who heard this message about Christ for the first time and they said, what do we need to do? And Peter, one of the 11 who would have heard Jesus say, go into all the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, you all need to repent, you need to turn away from your sin, you need to be baptized. And it says, 3,000 people were baptized, The people who accepted the message were baptized that day. I don't think in this big crowd of people, they would have said, oh, were you sprinkled as a baby? Well, how did that work? Well, I don't think all that would have happened. They just did it. They just followed what he said to do. In the Jewish culture, baptism, this immersion in water was not a new thing. It wasn't anything brand new. It In in the Jewish culture, long before Jesus came, if you had wanted to be adopted into a family, let's say a slave wants to be part of his master's family and master agrees, they would go through a public baptism. They would go through a rebirth. They would strip down to their undergarment, and they would be lowered into the water. They'd be immersed, and they'd be raised back up. And then they would be, in in a symbolic way, now part of that family. So when they heard be baptized, immediately those things started popping in their minds. Oh, that's what he wants. Jesus wants us to be born again. They would have gotten that. They would have grown up seeing people being born into families, being adopted into families. So now it's like, oh, the family of God got it. So we need to show everybody we're being reborn. So 3,000 people said, I want in on this. And they were immersed and they obeyed Christ that day. About four or five hundred years ago, when the Bible first started being translated into English, it would have been a lot easier if they would have correctly translated this Greek word we get baptism from. It's the word baptizo, and what they did was a transliteration, which means they just made up an English word. They couldn't find one that fit, so that they thought it was probably because of their theology. But they thought, let's just make one up. So whoever got around decided, let's. How about baptism? How about that? If they had translated the word baptizo correctly. It would have been to plunge underwater, to overwhelm, to make fully wet. Just get online and look it up. Go on a lexicon online and and you can find it. That's what baptizo means. In fact, in the first century and even before when you would make a garment, it it wouldn't be nice and blue or green or purple or whatever. It would be this dingy color of yellow. And the way they got it to the color they wanted, they dyed it. And the word they used to describe dyeing a garment was baptizo. I'm going to baptizo my coat and make it purple. They understood what that meant, that it meant to make completely wet, to overwhelm. So these 3,000 people who made that decision would have understood, even though it hadn't been written yet, Romans 6, verse 4. We were buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you sit in this chair today, if you're in group two, you you need to be baptized. Regardless of what's happened in your past, you need to consider what the Bible has to say about what I've just talked about. You need to be immersed if you haven't and you have obeyed Christ and you've asked him to forgive your sin and you believe he's who he said he was then you need to be baptized. You have an opportunity in two weeks, July 8th, just mark it on the back of your WhatsApp card and we'll get in touch with you. Come talk to me afterwards if you have more questions. Go out into theater too if you have more questions. Now, group three, it's decision time for you. For you, the extraordinary decision you can make is, I'm not going to keep this to myself anymore. I've done that. I was in group one, moved on to group two. Now I'm in group three. And now it's time to let the world know Like Jesus asked, like we saw Peter do in Acts chapter 2, like we saw Philip do in Acts chapter 8 with this young Ethiopian guy, let them know the message of Christ and what it's done in your life. That's what God expects from every Christ follower. Because you're here because somebody else took that serious. Who's going to be here in the future when we're all gone, generations from now, because you took it serious? See, Christianity is just one generation from death when people stop saying, I'm serious about this. One generation says that, it will be no more. So group three, my challenge to you, although a lot of this has maybe been refresher material for you today, how about going and letting people know what Christ has done in your life and what he can do in their life? Group number one, I hope that today you make a decision. Group number two, I hope you make a decision. And group number three, I hope you make a decision. All those decisions are heroic and they're extraordinary. A lot of people at LifePoint have made all three of those decisions. Wherever you are today, I hope that you've been motivated to take the next step.